morning, everyone. Um, my name is Matthew, and welcome. Uh, if you're visiting us this morning, hope you enjoy being with us. You're really welcome here. And uh, I've actually got a clip to start us off uh, this morning, and it's kind of Christmas-related as well. I know it's early, okay? I know I'm going to split the room, but, you know, it has been wintry, hasn't it? It's been horrible weather, so I feel like we can go for it. And it's also about forgetting things. So have a little look uh, at this. There we are. That's a classic one, in there, Home Alone. It's almost 30 years old, that film, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it? And um, but it's horrible, isn't it, when you forget something, when you forget something really important, like, you know, announcing the membership course, or, um, you know. Or, <laughs> or I, I find, do you find when you're busy, it's, like, so easy to forget things? The thing that I find all the time is, um, if I'm over at Precious House, there's, like, a little Tesco around the corner, and so loads of times I'll, you know, pop over, oh, do we need anything for, to make for dinner or whatever? And it's like, yeah, we just need, you know onions and some yogurt and, uh, I don't know, some squash or something, and then you'd be leaving the house and pressure by shout down the stairs, you know, oh, don't, don't forget a pepper, and you're like, oh, right, okay, a pepper, and then you get into Tesco, and as soon as you're there, you're like, forgotten everything you need, and then you're like, squash, and I end up bringing it, what do we need again? And then you come back into the house, and she's like, did you get the onions? Oh, no, and you end up going back again. You can see the shop assistant, like, wouldn't you just in here a moment ago? But anyway, it's easy to forget things. And uh, but last week, Sean did a really great talk to round up our Jesus Stories series, where we've been looking over the summer about the stories that Jesus told, called parables, where these stories revealed and explained what the kingdom of heaven is like and what God is like. And it was like a heavenly meaning through an earthly story so that we could picture and understand. And last week, she did a brilliant one all about when Jesus says, so let your light shine before the world. And how we're called to reveal Jesus and to bring the goodness of God into the world around us. And the last thing that Jesus said, the last thing that Jesus is recorded as saying in the different Gospels in, and in Acts before he returned to heaven, Jesus like reminded his followers of this point. And it was like, you know, when you shout down the stairs, like, you know, don't forget the onions or, you know, don't forget your coat or something really important. That it was the last thing that you, you want to get across in that moment so we don't forget. And Jesus gives these instructions. So I thought we could look at them today, like on the back of what Sean said last week, because they're things that are really important for us. And uh, as we go through the busyness of life, sometimes it's easy to forget. So I thought we could look at them again together today. So we're going to look at uh, what Jesus says, the last thing that Matthew records Jesus saying. And here it is in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so we're going to have a look at this four things. I'm going to focus on two and just, you know, note the others that we're going to draw out from these like four things that Jesus says are really important that he wanted us all to get because we're, you know, as we're followers of him. So the first one, Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Well, what does that mean when Jesus says that? 
Well, in, um, when we run uh, up at our Penland building, we run some after-school clubs and different projects and things. And sometimes we do this activity with the uh, kids who come along where we get them to uh, draw. Uh, and they give them like five minutes to draw their perfect world. You know, and they can put anything in it that they would want to. What would their ideal world be? And, you know, the kids love it. And they, you know, they draw like, oh, you'd have McDonald's every day. And they put like no homework. And, you know, some of them put in like unicorns and stuff because kids love you unicorns today, I don't get it, the boys are putting, you know, like football posts and whatever, and they, you know, and they give them five minutes, they get really into it, start colouring it in, whatever, and then after five minutes, you stop them there, and say, okay, now what I want you to do, is we need to pass the wor- your world onto the person next to you, and they're going to continue and carry on your world for you. And so, you know, when you've got like two best friends sitting next to each other and all like, you know, happy, whatever, you know, they'll like carry on that person's world. So if someone's drawn unicorns, they'll draw more unicorns. And if someone's done, you know, pizza, they'll draw more pizza and they carry it on. And then sometimes, and it's, to be fair, it's usually the boys, the boys, they, what they love to do. I remember one kid, he said it, he just said it out loud and he just went, oh, I'm going to ruin this. And what they do, they get the person's world and they change everything and they like cross out the unicorns and stick it you know, sport or whatever, or they, you know, cross out the pizza and stick in vegetables or, you know, cross out no homework and like extra maths homework and, and they, you know, they, they want to like destroy their friend's world and put all their own ideas into it, whatever, like that. And then after like five, ten minutes, we get them to pass it back and they look at what they did and we get them to think about, you know, how did you feel handing your world over to someone else and, you know, did they carry it on like you wanted them to or did they do it differently and we get them to discuss it and we look at it together and it's really funny, and, and it's a great way that we use this to illustrate how God created the world and created us out of love. And God's idea was to delegate the job of developing the world to us, and that we would carry on in the world, bringing the goodness and the love and the, all the good things of God into the world, and that we were made to be creative, like God is creative, and that we could create and develop, and we could bring all of God's influence and love and his reign and the kingdom of God into the world. And that was God's idea. It was like he built it out of it and he passed it over to us. It was like, now it's your turn. It's like a family business, and this is your part of the business to, to carry on and to do it together. And that was God's idea, and that was God's plan, and it was brilliant, and it was amazing. And so God delegated the world to us. And in Psalms, it says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. But then as we know, as people, just like when that kid was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to destroy this. I'm going to do it my way. As people, humanity rejected God and turned away from developing the world in the way that God wanted to and thought, actually, I'm going to do it my way. And I don't want to develop this world and pursue the things that God has, but actually I think I can do it better on my own and and like turned and and actually rebelled from God and bringing his kingdom and his goodness and his love into the world. And so actually we can do it on our own. And as people did that, because God is love and life and goodness, as people turn from God and the source of that, they open the door to hate and to suffering and to death and to the enemy of this world. And the Bible, you know, the Bible describes as Satan, the enemy of this world. And humanity, they like abdicated their rulership and their responsibility over to the enemy of God and the enemy of this world, which is a Satan. And now, as humanity, we end up like trapped. We're almost trapped 
And because we're made in God's image, there's still so much good because people are good. They're made in God's image and they have their God's like love. You know, he loves us still. And so there's so much good in the world, but it's also we're like trapped. It's like a double-edged sword where so often things are invented for good, but so quickly they can turn and bring damage. I was in a school last week, a secondary school, and the, I wasn't asking this question. The young people started talking about themselves, about social media. And on the one hand, they were saying how they love it so much and how actually they find that they can connect with others and they find it as a real good resource. And for some of the challenges they're going through and the pressures they're under, they were saying how social media can be really good because they can can connect with people who are going through the same things and they can help one another. But at the same time, they were all saying, and all the young people their hand up to this, to say that it was one of the things that they feel most pressure because of. And it puts them under so much stress and it's so, such a challenge. And you see how something created for good, but in our world, you know, it's like we're trapped and you get this double side to things. And there's so much good, but there's so much challenge because people turned away from God and And it invited this into the world. And God looks at this now and he sees the world in this state. And God had a choice. You know, he could just abandon the world who rejected him and and allow it to just see itself through and just step back. But instead he chose because he loves us that he wanted to rescue and restore the world and bring it back to how it should be. But how is God going to do this when he's given, human, he's given the world over to humanities? He's already delegated it. He's given it away. So how can God rescue when it's actually like people are in charge in some ways? And so God, he did it by becoming a man himself. He had to become a man himself. And God came into the world as Jesus, fully God and fully man. And the difference with Jesus is that Jesus, he had that perfect relationship with God and he never rebelled from God. But he pursued the things of God and he lived in that perfect relationship and he never sinned, he never rebelled, he never turned from God, but he chose, he made the choice day in, day out to submit himself to God and bring his love and his goodness and his purposes into the world with every choice, with every decision, with everything that he did. And he lived a perfect life He did the thing that no one could do. And uh, as we've looked at these Jesus stories, we see how he brought and he modeled and he taught the kingdom of God. And he did it so much all the way that he submitted himself to the things of God right the way that he was even willing to go all the way to the cross where he showed love and forgiveness and he gave his own life. And Jesus took on himself the rejection of God like from humanity all over again when people rejected God again and they put Jesus on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, the difference was because he had never done anything wrong, he took on all that rebellion of the world onto himself and all that rejection of God onto himself. And when he died, because he had done nothing wrong, he was buried in the grave, but God raised him to life again because he had done nothing wrong and he was like the perfect sacrifice. And when Jesus was raised to life, he broke the stranglehold that was on humanity. And he broke the power of death that people's rejection of God had caused to come into the world. Because Jesus never rejected God. And so he broke the power of that. And now Jesus is like, the Bible describes him as the new man. He's like a new leader. So whereas people had abdicated their responsibility and were trapped and we were all trapped, now suddenly a new person, a new man has come through and broken through and broken that stranglehold. And if we align ourselves with the new person, then we find that freedom as well. He creates a new path. Jesus was a different king. 
And so Jesus modeled something amazing. And so when Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, it's because now Jesus has broken through and has been raised as like the new ruler and the new king and a new option for us to follow. And so what does that mean for us today? Each of us have a choice. We can continue on the path of humanity that we are on, the kind of one that we're already in, the existing one that had turned from God and rejected him. We can continue on that path if we choose to and we can do it our own way and live a life apart from God right now and also when we die into eternity that we live separated from God and we can continue in that path or we can choose to align ourselves with the new man who is also God, which is Jesus, who broke the power of that and gives a new way and a new option to say, actually, I want to follow God's way. I want to bring God's good and love and purpose into the world. I want to have a relationship with God now and after when I die into eternity. And we can follow down that path. And it's a choice that we have. And it's an amazing gift that Jesus gave his own life to give us that choice so we could receive all the blessings that he has for us. And so Jesus, he says, you know, all authority on, he- all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me because that's who he is and Jesus promises that one day he'll return and heaven will come back to earth and all will be made new and all will be restored and we get to play a part of that and we get to join in with that now and bring God's goodness into the world right now when we live and so Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me one day he's going to return but right now therefore go and make disciples of all the nations go and bring this kingdom of God and his love and his purpose into the world now and invite others to join in. Go and make disciples of all nations. And so for us today, it's like that piece of paper like with the kids. That piece of paper has been passed to us. And now it's our turn to bring what we want and what we have into the world. And we can bring the purposes of God into the world where we are. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been watching the Rugby World Cup have been enjoying it, especially because Wales have been winning, which is good. And uh, some big games to come. Maybe an England-Wales game later on, so that's exciting. But when I've been watching the games on the TV, there's a couple of players who didn't make it into the squad for the Welsh team. And they're like ITV and the BBC have like roped them in as pundits. And you can see that they're, you know, they're, caught, they're chatting about the game, but in their eyes you can see that they're gutted not to be there. And it's, you know, it's really hard for them. And you can, they're putting a brave face on. But a lot of them, you can just see that they, you know, they want to be out there. With, they're cheering them on, but they want to be out there with the boys. And they've missed out. But the great thing for us is when we journey with God is that everyone gets to play. Everyone's included. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone is important. Every single one here today is important to God and has a part to play. And in Romans 12, it puts it like this. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And Jesus says, you know, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And so therefore go. And we're permissioned and we go with the authority that Jesus has. And we are called, each one of us, to do the things that Jesus did in our world. And everyone's included and everyone gets to play and everyone joins in. Now, when it says, go to all the nations, or in another vision, it says, go into all the world, it often makes me think of people who, like, literally have crossed the world and have gone to different parts. And we've got loads of people here today who aren't from Wales. Give us a hand up if you're not from Wales. Let's give them a cheer. All these people not from Wales who are now living in Swansea. 
especially students as well, welcome. Uh, so some of you have literally crossed the world to be here, or like crossed the seven bridge, you know, either one. Um, and I remember as a teenager, I used to love this book, God Smuggler, about this guy from Holland called Andrew van der Begeel. I don't know if you, that's how you say it, but he was nicknamed Brother Andrew, I can say that. And uh, he would smuggle Bibles into communist countries when the Bible had been banned and Christianity had been outlawed, and he would smuggle them in and find Christians and support them. And I used to love reading his stories and his adventures, and he would often describe how we would drive up to like a checkpoint, and his, his boot would be full of Bibles, and he would pray. He'd be like, Jesus, you know, you open blind people's eyes. Well, I pray now that when they look in my boot, that you'll not literally blind them, but you'll blind their eyes and they wouldn't see the Bible. And he's got all these amazing stories and these close escapes. So he, you know, got through these checkpoints and he was risking his life and it was amazing. And across the world today, you know, there's a lot of persecution of Christianity, but across the world, Christianity is growing and more and more people are coming to faith and it's growing faster than the rate of population growth. And that's amazing. And it's something for us to pray into and to support our brothers and sisters across the world who are facing challenge and difficulty and to pray for them and to support them, just like Brother Andrew did. And so sometimes we literally cross the world. But for many of us, when it says go into all the world, you know, for us it's going to be about our world, you know, our spot, our unique spot where God has placed us today, the place that we go. In fact, our everyday lives at university or at school or at work or with our friends or with our family or in our sports team or our book club or me and Anthony were chatting earlier about he runs the Veterans Club. All these places that we are, that's our world where God has placed us and that is really, really important to God. It's so important to him where he's placed you today. It's just as important. God loves the people in your circle. God loves the people in your office. God loves the people on your course. He loves your flatmates and he has placed you there with a purpose and it's so important to God. I love our small group when they share stories of the ways that they've seen God working in their lives, in their everyday lives. Like Luke, who was saying, you know, a few weeks back when he drove a colleague home from work, when their car had breaking down, they'd been going through a difficult time. And in the car, he was just sharing faith and how he prays and he offered to pray for them. And after that, they went on to find Jesus for themselves and they're going to a church in Neath and that's amazing. Or Gemma, who works in a school and she got permission to run an alpha course at lunchtime. She's got a whole bunch of young people coming along. Or Laura, who prayed for her colleague's, colleague's back and she got healed. Or B, who started at Alpha with her course mates. And that's how Craig ended up coming along. It's amazing having Craig and hearing his stories. And when he was in America and on his placement and invited his um, colleague to come to a church with him there and how she responded to Jesus. Or Sean, who volunteered to do school assemblies in where he teaches and shares Jesus stories. And all of these everyday things. Now, the sad thing is, none of these are going to get turned into a book. All right, just to, you know, do you know what I mean? Because, you know, they're not as exciting as, uh, as God Smuggler. So, you know, in 20 or 30 or 40 years' time, it's unlikely that someone's going to be reading the amazing time where Sean did that story about Jesus in his school assembly. It's just not going to make it. But these things are as important to God. They are as important to him. And your daily life and where you are is so important to God. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to God and how much he values you and the place where he has put you and someone may never write a book about you and that's okay because God sees where you are and he has put you there for a reason and he has 
designed it for you and you and what you're doing is so important to him. Remember that. There was this one time when Jesus was crossing the lake and it's in uh, Mark chapter 5 and he was going into a new territory and he came over to this new land. Uh, It was um, like outside of Israel slightly and he hadn't been there before and when he landed there he only saw one person. And it was a man who was, um, he, he was demonized and he was really suffering. And Jesus delivered him and he had this amazing transformation in his life. And uh, it shocked the whole town. But they asked him to go. Um, but this man, it transformed his life. And when Jesus was getting back in the boat to leave, it says this. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. His life had been transformed. It had been changed by Jesus. And he wanted to go now and join the disciples and join in. And uh, as we know, there was the disciples, was the 12 disciples. But it wasn't just the 12. There was a whole group of much more, bigger group of followers, men and women, who traveled with Jesus and worked with him and did things together. And he wanted to join in with that group that was following Jesus all around and learn from him and be there in the mix. And he begged to go. You can imagine him on his knees begging Jesus, let me go with you. And what does Jesus say? This is amazing. What does Jesus say to him? But Jesus said, no. Jesus said, no, don't come with me. But go home to your friends and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he had told them. And this man wanted to join the 12 disciples, you know, Peter and James and John and all the ones we read about in the rest of the New Testament. But Jesus said no, because it was as important to Jesus that he went back to his friends, where he was from, his world, to tell them about what Jesus has done for him, as if he had joined Peter and James and the famous ones. This guy, he doesn't even have a name, but it was as important to Jesus that he went back. And that's how important your world and your circle is to Jesus. And I really think that we're coming into a season where we're going to be seeing God do more in our daily lives. And God wants to encourage us to be ready because I think we're coming into a time of that, that where God has placed you, we're going to see him using us there and therefore to be an increase. And it's going to be really exciting. And uh, it's great when God uses us when we do things together, like when we do our projects up in Penland and different people volunteer or in our charity shop or um, when we do things as a small group together and we do like a social activity or something to invite our friends or when we've done Mission to Wales or things like the Night Shelter where as a church we come together to support our community and share Jesus together and that's really important but as important is our, when we, in our own daily lives. And I really feel like we're coming into a time where there's going to be a, an increase of God working through us and bringing his influence and his goodness and his love to the people around us. And so I want to encourage us today, the first thing for us today, is to ask God and to pray for the people that we know and to ask God to use us and to give us opportunities to share and to pray and to bless and to begin to ask him each day, Lord, what do you want to do with me today in my world? Send me into my world and to ask God. And then the second thing is to be ready. To be ready. In 1 Peter, he said, be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you. But do it with gentleness and respect. 
And I want to encourage us to ask God and to be ready and to be expectant that God's going to use you where you are. And it's going to be in small things and occasionally it'll be big things. And people may never notice and your story may never get told in a book or shared, you know, in a talk or something, but it's important to Jesus and he sees it. So are you up for that? Are you up for being ready and to ask? That's great, isn't it? So that was, okay, so next one. I'm flying through. Here we go. So Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so the next thing for us to remember is for us to be baptized. And Jesus instructs Christians who believe in him and choose to follow him to be baptized. And baptism is when we publicly show and profess our decision to follow Jesus. It's the mechanism, if you like, that God has given us to show outwardly that we're turning from living a life apart from God to now living a life with him and wanting to bring his purpose and his love into the world around us. And it's the way that we show that we belong and we're joining his family, which is the church. And so Jesus said in Mark 16, uh, this is the other, like, the other vision of the last thing Jesus said, if you like, they recorded. Uh, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And that's because, you know, when people are turning away, you talk about rejecting God in their lives. They'll be separated from him, which Jesus doesn't want. And all the way throughout the New Testament, we see that when people chose to follow Jesus, they responded by getting baptized. And so after Jesus returned to heaven and the very first day of like the first church when uh, Peter was telling everyone the good things that Jesus had done and the people in Jerusalem there, they realized that they were the ones who had put Jesus on the cross and suddenly they realized what they had done. And they said to Peter, oh no, what should we do now? It's our fault, if you like, and, you know. And Peter turns to them and says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Isn't that great? That even the people, some of the people who, you know, called for Jesus to be put on the cross, that even them, Jesus forgave and invited them to be a part of his family. Isn't that amazing? And then Peter says, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is to you and your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 people in all. So that's how the Bible shows for us to respond. When we respond to Jesus, that we respond in ourselves. And then baptism is the way that we show outwardly what God has done for us inwardly, if you like. Now, the Greek word, uh, the word baptism comes from a Greek word, which means to plunge or immerse or sink, or I like to dunk because uh, it makes me think of these. Although that must be a very large cup, isn't it, to manage to get a rich tea in completely. Like normally you've got to snap that in half, haven't you? So I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, um, and this is what baptism means. So When someone goes down under the water, that shows that they're aligning themselves with Jesus' death on the cross and what he's done for them. And in Romans 6, it says this, when we became Christians and we were were baptized, we became one with Christ. We died with him. And it talks about how we give the wrong things that we've done to Jesus 
who took them on the cross and we have died to that with him and a life apart from him. And then when we come up out of the water, just like Jesus was resurrected and came back to life, to new life, when we come out of the water, we align ourselves with that as well, just like Jesus, and we have new life with him. And so it says this, this is the next verse, and just as Christ was raised from the dead, now we may also live new lives. And that's what it shows, and it shows outwardly. But why... Why does it matter to get baptized? Why does Jesus say to get baptized? Why don't we just make the decision like in our head or in our hearts or privately? Why is it important? Well, we all know, don't we, that actions speak louder than words. And our faith is something to be lived out. And in fact, that's the next thing that Jesus says here. He says, teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And baptism is one of those commands. And our calling is to live like Jesus in the world. And Jesus was baptized. And Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. And Jesus wants us to identify with that. And baptism is like our first step of identifying with Jesus. And that first step of obedience to him. And where we show the world, actually, this is who I belong to now. And this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm a part of. And the way I think of it a little bit is... um, with football, because I, I'm, I'm I love football, and so I find a football illustration for all things. So this is one of my favourite player, Aaron Ramsey, plays for Wales, and uh, a few years ago, so he's Matt. There's a youth leader in Caerphilly, and um, it's, and he is who's a friend of mine, and Aaron Ramsey's his brother-in-law. And a few years ago, he got us, he gave us tickets to an Arsenal game, and me and Precious got to sit in Aaron Ramsey's box. We had it all for free, watch his Arsenal game. It was amazing. I didn't even like Arsenal, but it was amazing. Uh, but anyway, this, uh, this summer, he moved to Juventus. So he's moved to Italy. And when he, you know, so he flies over, and on the day when he signs, he does a medical and everything, and then on their day, the press conference, he signs the contract for Juventus. And as soon as he signs that contract, he is now a Juventus player. He's changed teams. And now he is a part of that team when he signed that contract. But then shortly after, a day comes, not long after, where he makes his debut for the team. And it's the first day where he pulls on the shirt and he actually goes out onto the field and he plays the first match for the team. And it's like, for the fans and everyone watching, that's the day when he becomes a Juventus player. So when he signed the contract, he was a Juventus player and he was a part of that team. But in a few days later, he pulls on the shirt and now he really goes out and he plays for the team. And that's a little bit what baptism is like. You know, we give our lives to Jesus and we turn and we have faith and we, we give our lives to him. And as soon as that happens, we're a part of his team and we belong to Jesus. And then when we get baptized, it's like that day when they pull on the shirt and they go out to play and everyone can see that this is the team that Aaron Ramsey plays for now. And that's a bit what baptism's like. It's that day when we run out and we do it for the first time. And of course, Aaron Ramsey, he's going to want to play every week. He doesn't want to just turn up once. And it's the same for us after baptism. We go on, don't we, to live for Jesus and be on his team every day and every week and go on to do the great things that he's planned for our lives. And that's how I like to think of it. Baptism's like that first step when they pull on the shirt. He's already in the team, but he pulls on the shirt and he runs out to play for the team. And so baptism, it shows who we belong to. That as people, we are called to belong to God's family. And baptism shows that we belong to the church. And Jesus asked us, baptism is the way Jesus asked us to show this. And it's a gift which he blesses. And that's why in Acts it says when they were baptized, they were added to the church. 
It's a bit like when people get married. It's great to have Luke and Gemma's wedding a few months back. And when people get married, like Luke and Gemma, they stand here in front of everyone and they share their vows and they commit their lives together. And as they do that, a change in their relationship happens. And now they, they, you know, they're married now and they've made those vows and they've committed themselves to one another. And it's invisible. You, you know, if you walked in five minutes before and five minutes after, they're not going to look any different. But a change has taken place and a union has happened. But then they have these symbols, these outward symbols to show that, don't they, to each other in the world. So they exchange rings and maybe they'll change their surname. And these things show outwardly the invisible transformation that's taken place. And baptism, it shows, it's like these things, like the rings or changing the surname. It's like a reference point for you and for your friends and your family and others who are watching that a change has taken place. And it shows now that this is who I belong to. And this is the relationship that I am in. And this is what I'm going for. And it also shows, like we talked about earlier, the enemy of this world. You know, Jesus said oh, there's an enemy in the world, Satan, who he calls a thief and a liar and a destroyer. In John 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And baptism shows publicly who we belong to, to our friends and our family and to Jesus and to God, but also shows the enemy that actually I belong to Jesus now and I'm under his covenant and I'm a part of his family and this is who I belong to. And so baptism is really important. And so Paul says in this, in Galatians, you were all baptized into Christ and so you were all clothed with Christ. This means that you were all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And so baptism is really important for Christians and believers of Jesus. And that's why we're having, we do it a couple of times a year and we're having baptisms in two weeks time. And uh, if you haven't been baptized and you've chosen to follow Jesus, then I would encourage you not to wait, but to go for it. And so next week, if you are interested, then you can come along, you can hear a bit more with Adam, you can ask any questions and you can find out how it works and uh, you can get baptized this month if you would like to and I'd encourage you to go for it. And if you want to come and chat with me after the meeting to find out some more straight away, then you're very welcome to. And I'd encourage you to take the opportunity to go for it because it's really important for us. Okay, and then last thing, the very last thing Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And that's a great encouragement for us, isn't it? And for me, this is like, you know, when you shout out the window, like, don't forget your coat or, you know, put some sun cream on. That's, that's for me on a sunny day because I get burned all the time. Jesus is like, don't forget, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And I think every time, you know, we walk out of the house, that's something we can almost like hear shouted to us as we walk out. That you're going into the world and Jesus is like, and don't forget, I'm going to be with you today. And I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And that's a great encouragement for us, isn't it? And to finish on today, Chloe said in the worship about being filled with God's love. And God loves every single one of you. And he wants to fill you with his love this morning before we finish and before we go. And Paul said this, we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So as we finish today, I just wanna pray that we would remember that God is with us always through his Holy Spirit, 
because of what Jesus has done. And if you'd like to, I'd just like to invite you, the Holy Spirit, to come and fill you again right now with God's love for you. So when we close our eyes and, and let me pray for you before we finish. Jesus, we thank you for these great words of encouragement as you send us out into the world with a purpose to bring your love to our world. And I thank you that you promise that you are with us always. We don't do any of these things on our own, but we do them with you. And so Holy Spirit, right now, would you come again and would you come and meet us and fill us right now with your love? I thank you that you love each person here and I pray Right now, would you come and fill them and strengthen them with your love? And why don't you just pray, if you'd like to, just, just pray your own prayer and just say, Jesus, come and fill me with your love right now. We'll just take 30 seconds to do that. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you that you go with us this week. Amen.